Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. This is the second epistle in our Bible to this church. Uh, And 2 Corinthians is very different from 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians was written to a church that was overwhelmed with sin. I mean, they were in a bad way. There was a man in there who was doing something so awful that Paul didn't even want to mention it. it was so bad. And he wrote that letter to address that and then to address the whole church that was being wicked around him and all the things that were wrong. In 2 Corinthians, he comes to him and he says, I feel like maybe some of y'all are taking it a little too hard. And so he gives them a lot more doctrinal truth and a lot more help and, and a lot more encouragement and a lot less reproof, I guess you could say, uh, or rebuking, maybe straight up rebuke from 1 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he, he opens up a little bit uh, about his own experiences. He, he opens up and is a little bit uh, transparent with them about a struggle that he is dealing with in his life that I I hope will be a little bit of a help to us this morning. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 1. Let's read these together. We'll read down through verse number 10. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Can you say amen right there? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank You, God, for the the privilege to be in your house again today. God, I pray if you would help us today as we look to your word that we might glean the truth of this precious and holy word. God, we thank you, God, for this Bible that is perfect and preserved. And God, that you have given it to us, Lord, that we might have a a perfect and complete word, Lord, that would lead us in this life. And 
God, I pray this morning, God, as we look to Your Word, God, that You would speak to us, God, that You would move in our hearts through the Holy Ghost, God, that You would strengthen us, God, that You would reprove us, God, that You'd give us that doctrine, reproof, instruction, correction, and righteousness that we need from the Word through Your Spirit today. Help me, God, Lord, to be a vessel used of God to preach this Word to these people that they might receive the help that they stand in need of today. We love You. We can do nothing without You. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here Paul is opening up to the people of Corinth about one of his greatest struggles in life, which he refers to there in verse number 7 as a thorn in the flesh. A thorn in his flesh. Some time ago, uh, I preached a few messages on thorns. We talked about uh, the unnecessary thorns there uh, with the children of Israel, how that there were things that, they had, that, that grew out of things they had left in their lives that hurt them and their children that were unnecessary. Amen. Things that came up and hurt them in their lives that were there as a direct result of them just not obeying God. Amen. Then we looked there in the New Testament how the Lord spoke about the parable of the sower. And we looked at those thorns there and those seed, the seed that fell amongst the thorns and the, the hard ground and all those different types of grounds that the seed fell on. And uh, I had intended to deal with this passage and the Lord kind of moved me away from it and And this morning the Lord just brought it back to my mind as we look here at Paul's thorn in the flesh. Or if you would, as I've titled it this morning, an unmovable thorn. It was an unmovable thorn in his life. Now the Apostle Paul was a man who saw many great miracles. Amen. He performed great miracles. We talked a few weeks back, we were reading the passage where that gentleman fell asleep in the window and fell out, and if you read it, it says he was like a dead man, which means is to say he was dead. He fell a long way. He probably he had been mortally wounded, and Paul came on him and prayed over him, and God resurrected him. Amen. Paul had been used to perform great miracles just like the other apostles and disciples had, and he was a man who'd seen healings. Amen. He was a man who had seen uh, you know the, the storm, Eurachlodon, and all those things, and all those people saved, and bitten by the snake, and the snake didn't hurt him, and all those things, he'd seen great miracles. He'd prayed and and seen God answer miraculous prayers in his life. And yet, there was something in his body and in his life that God left and would not move in his life. And that was a difficult thing for Paul to come to terms with. That word thorn here in your King James Bible is translated from the Greek word scallops, which refers to thorns, uh, but sometimes those thorns could range from what we would call a briar. Amen. You just walk through it and brush it off and go on. Or some of those thorns which could be long enough to literally impale a person, uh, to mortally wound someone. Amen. So that thorn could be a small annoyance or it could be something that was greatly dangerous and inhibiting. In Paul's life, if you read all all the passages that deal with this thing, you'll know that we don't know exactly what it is. There's a lot of people and theologians and and Bible students who have ideas of what they think that Paul's thorn in the flesh was. Some say it was probably a severe speech impediment. Some say that it was some sort of a disfigurement. Whatever it may have been, it was something that people could see and recognize on him. You'll read in the book of Galatians, he speaks to the church at Galatia and how that basically his, his infirmity didn't hinder them from receiving... Uh, what was going on in his life, this this difficult thing that he had moved, this thorn, it was visible, it was apparent, and it was a great uh, problem for him to the point that Paul described it as the messenger of Satan in this passage we just read. 
It was a big deal in his life. Amen. This thorn, this thing, it was not some small annoyance, but something big enough that Paul repeatedly asked God to take it out of his life. But in this passage that we are reading here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he is not speaking at first concerning the thorn. The thorn is really not the focal point of the passage. The focal point of the passage, if you start in verse number 1 and read all the way down through verse number 10, is concerning those things in which we can glory. And that word glory used as a verb here is to say, like boasting in a sense. Something that we can be, in a word, proud of, that we would speak of, that we would publish and talk about. Right, the glory, that it means to exult, to boast, to be proud of, to vaunt, to rejoice in something, to glory in. Amen. Like if you've got a child and that child is playing sports and uh, <clears throat> Brother Matt was here a few weeks back. He was talking about their senior basketball team at their church's Christian school, how they won the state championship. And they were really boasting in that great thing that, that they thought it was just wonderful and it was, uh, it was really something that was great for their kids. And, and we do those sort of things in our lives and, and that's okay. But Paul's talking here about really what is it that he can glory in. And in verse number 1 through verse number 5, uh, well, we will talk, he's, for, he's speaking first about the right to glory. What do I have, Paul said, the right to glory in? First, he talks about how that he has the right to glory in the miraculous of God, those miraculous things that God has allowed him to be a part in or to see in his life. And in verse 1, he says, he, he, he talks about how he has been given visions and revelations of the Lord. He says in verse 2, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago uh, who was called up into the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. And he talks about this event 14 years ago in which he, quote, knew a guy. Y'all ever heard anybody say that? Well, I, I know a guy, and that guy you know is you. Yeah? Well, I believe that's what's going on here with the Apostle Paul. Theologians agree, and, and I, have, I, I believe it's the same. Because he's talking about not boasting in yourself to the point that he says, well, I know someone, which isn't a lie. He does know someone himself who literally was caught up into the third heaven. He said, I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, which is to say he doesn't know if he was in a trance or if God literally physically transmuted him into the third heaven. God's the only one that knows for sure. And he saw things and heard things that no man on earth has heard or seen and cannot even tell of them because they were uh, not lawful for him to utter. Amen. That he had seen things that no one else had seen. And as we said in verse 5, of such an one will I glory. He said, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to boast about something. I want it to be about the miraculous things of God. Amen. Can I submit to you this morning, there is nothing wrong in talking positively and even in an almost boasting sort of way of like, this is amazing what God has done. Amen. You do know that God is worthy to receive all glory and honor and power, right? God it is who is deserving of glory. And when we're going to glory in something, we absolutely ought to glory in the things that God has done. And Paul was saying, I'm going to glory in the miraculous things of God, the things that I have seen God do, how wonderful, why else would God want me to have seen it if not to tell it? Amen. 
Now, there, may, there was times in the New Testament when the Lord Jesus was still on the earth that He would tell people, don't go tell Him what happened. Don't go tell Him. But for the most part, when you see God do something, He says, go out into all the world. Tell it. Tell them about the gospel. Tell them what I did. Tell them what's going on. Tell them all the great blessings and, and the wonderful things that you've seen, the, the resurrections and the healings and all those things. And, and Paul said, I'm going to glory in something. I'm going to glory in something miraculous that God has done. But then he said this in verse 5, that we should never glory in the might of man. Here's what he said. Of myself, I will not. He said, I will not glory. Yet of myself, I will not glory. And I believe that's why he said, I knew such a man. Just in case someone were to say, well, aren't you kind of glorying in yourself? Because that's not what he was doing. He was talking about what God had done. And he did not want any of the focus on himself, but all of the focus on God. Amen. Now, that's something we should all learn, right? The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That in our salvation, who is it that gets the glory? It is God. It is never us. Amen. We are not to, God does not take pleasure in our strength. In the strength of a man. God does not care about your strength. You know why? Because your strength is so weak compared to His strength that there's literally nothing to boast in. The strongest and mightiest man in all the world could not hold a finger to God's strength. That is simply the way it is. And so there is nothing in our ability that is worth boasting of. We should never boast in the might of ourselves. Amen. But also he said this, not only does he say I'm going to boast in the miraculous things of God and I'm never going to boast in the might of man, but he said this, I have the right to boast if I will, to glory is the word, and I'm going to use that word glory because I like it better, to glory in the maladies and misfortunes of life. Now, here's something kind of funny about that. Y'all ever met somebody that all they've ever got to talk about is how bad things are? That is not what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5, where he says this, Yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. He said, I'm going to glory in my infirmities. He's not saying this. Everywhere I go, I'm going to go, man, I sure do have it rough. Man, I've been beat a few times with the 40 saved one. I was stoned. Uh, I've been, I, I was shipwrecked and and had to be let out in a basket one time because they wanted to kill me. And man, it sure is rough to be me. Paul didn't go over and talk, man, I sure am persecuted and beaten. Nobody loves me. Amen. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat some worms. You don't hear Paul going around saying that. So that can't be what he means when he says that he can glory in his infirmities. But he is saying that in the maladies and misfortunes of life, the difficult things in life, we can glory in God. Let's see what he means by that. So I'm at the right to glory. He talks about, secondly, the reason for this glory. I mentioned this, but Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, that song that we often sing now, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they were and are created. Right? We, we know that. And very simply... We know that all things are created for the glory of God. Who should receive glory when something goes good? God. Who should receive glory when things doesn't go great? God. Who should receive all glory and honor? It's God. God is the one 
who receives glory. God is the reason to glory. He is the recipient of glory. And we must never glory in the flesh, for our flesh has nothing of which to glory. Even the good things in our life and the best day we have and the best we ever do at anything, we should always say, to God be the glory. Amen. If You know, you hear folks saying, well, uh, I'm the one who puts food on our table at home and I built this house with my bare hands and I work hard and I do this and I and I and I. When the truth is, the only reason you've got air in your lungs and blood in your veins is because God gave you another day. You're living on borrowed time. Everything under the sun is God's. The earth is His and the fullness thereof. The food you eat is His. The air you breathe is His. It's all His. And He's the one who receives glory. Amen. So the reason for this glory is God. It's God, right? Because of God's working. In those first five verses, Paul talks about how that God revealed something miraculous to him, that God was doing something in his life. Amen. Now why do you reckon God let Paul see the things he saw? Why do you reckon the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus shined that bright light down out of heaven and knocked him off his horse and called out to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why do you think God let Paul see those things and blinded his eyes and let him be healed of that blindness? Why do you think He let him get bit by that snake and survive? Why do you think He let him survive being stoned and survive being beaten and, and survive the shipwrecks? It's because God had work to do in Paul's life. The reason that God allowed Paul to see miracles and miraculous things is because God was doing a work in Paul and through Paul. Where would we be if God had not used Paul to do the things He did? Most of our New Testament is written by the Apostle Paul. Most of our New Testament doctrine that we believe and understand and what we know about this era of grace in which we live, we know because God used Paul to do a great work. Now, I'm not glorifying Paul in that. I'm glorifying God. That He chose this man who was the chief of sinners. Now, when we think of Paul, we think of the author, the apostle, the godly man, the greatest missionary who ever lived. But when Paul thought about Paul, you know what he thought about? He thought about Saul. What does that mean? Well, that's who he used to be. He thought about those Christians where he'd consented to their death. He thought about Stephen as the stones beat against his body and he cried out, that God would not hold this sin to their charge as He held their jackets. That's what he thought about. So whenever Paul might have been tempted to glory, he was reminded, I'm the chief of sinners. That's me. God is working. That's the reason for the glorying. It was glorying in what God had done in Paul's life and not in what Paul had done. Right? Because of God's working he gloried. That was one of the reasons. The other reasons, because of God's will. Verse number 8, he said, he said that he had prayed three times, thrice he had asked the Lord to depart this thorn in his flesh from him. And in verse 9, he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul gloried in the will of God. Here's what he said in verse 8 and 9. If it was up to me, 
This thorn in my flesh would have been gone a long time ago. Amen. If it was up to me, this illness, this sickness, this infirmity, this weakness that is constantly badgering and hurting and restricting and hindering me, if it was up to me, it had been gone when I asked the first time. But I asked a second time, and I asked a third time, and then the Lord spoke to me, and He said this, My grace is sufficient for thee. For strength, for my strength, the Lord said, My strength is made perfect in weakness. And whose weakness? In your weakness. Okay. So Paul is glorying in God's will. And here's what he's saying. It's up to me, Corinth, church, friends, beloved, This thing that I struggle with that y'all all know I struggle with, if it was up to me, it'd be gone. But it's not up to me. Because I don't glory in myself. And I don't glory in my strength. And I don't glory in my accomplishments. The only thing in which I can glory is God and His working through these miraculous things He's allowed me to see and in fulfilling His will in my life. And if if it is His will that I have this thorn then I guess I'm just going to have to have this thorn. Now that is easier said than done. Say, well, not for the Apostle Paul. Oh, yeah. He was a human just like me and you. Same temptations, same weaknesses. Amen. God used him to do a great and mighty work, and I'm not saying that he wasn't used greatly of God and wasn't a great man. Sure, compared to most of us, yeah, great man. I mean, especially compared to me, I'll tell you. What a man that he was for God. This could not have been easy. After healing people, seeing the dead raised, and seeing miracles done all around him to people, here he is giving his whole life to God. And as asking God for one seemingly simple thing, and God's just like, well, you're just going to have to endure it. My grace is enough. What he said, when he said my grace is sufficient, he said this, I'm not going to take it from you, but I'll go with you while you go through it. Can I tell you, there's some people that, that, that is, it is hard for that to be enough. For anyone dealing with something, re- amen, we could talk about some things people have had to endure in their lives. And they ask God, God, will you do this? God said, my grace is going to have to be sufficient for you. Uh, when you're thinking about the thorn, you think maybe he had an eyesight problem. Maybe he had a speech problem. Maybe he had a disfigurement. That's not that big a deal. Sometimes those thorns can be awfully big. The loss of a dear and close loved one. A child with a problem that they're going to have to deal with their whole life. That you're going to have to deal with it. And, and you're asking God to do something and God just says, my grace will have to be sufficient. Amen. Sometimes the answer from God is, that's not my will. It was, can we all agree it was not God's will to remove the thorn from Paul's life? Isn't that hard? It's hard, isn't it? I hadn't intended on speaking about this, but we're talking about Josh Engel, and maybe that's why it's brought it to my mind, but Brother Josh pastors a church in uh, <coughs> Clark Range, Tennessee, small country church. They built a brand new sanctuary last year, or 2020. And it's wonderful, the Lord's blessing them. They've got a very, their bus ministry has become a huge ministry in their church and God's blessing. 
they got a faithful young family in their church. I told you all some, some time back they had a young man who got saved they've been praying for for 10 years. And uh, that was a miraculous thing. He had a little sister. Her name was Ava. Is that right? Uh, I think she was eight or nine. Diabetic. She fell ill. <clears throat> it's probably been five, six years ago now. I couldn't tell you for sure. She fell ill. We all got a prayer request. I, I don't know all the details off the top of my head now, but long story short, after a long night of praying, she passed away. Suddenly, unexpectedly, her body set up with infection, and the doctors could not stop it, and she died. Faithful family in their church, this little girl hit Brother Josh's daughter Lily, and this girl were best friends. And suddenly, something happened that no one ever, ever, ever wants to have to deal with. Amen. I can't even fathom the difficulty. And talking to Brother Josh, and <clears throat> you know, his words to me were, you know, what do you, what do you tell this family that you preach to and sit in your church and been faithful and working when they say, why didn't God answer my prayer? Why didn't God heal my daughter? Sometimes the answer is, my grace is sufficient for them. And that's not the answer that anybody really wants, ever. God's grace is amazing. We sing about how amazing it is. It's wonderful. But sometimes it is the only lifeline that there is. My grace. Now, Paul could look at that thorn in his flesh and say, your grace isn't sufficient. And get bitter, angry at God, shake a fist at God. God, I've done all this for you. Why wouldn't you remove this one thing for me? There have been many who've done that. Paul said this, he said in verse 9, as the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. We see that Paul glories in God's working, and he glories because of God's will, and then he glories because of his weakness. That almost sounds backward, doesn't it? How do you boast in weakness? That's, that's backwards. But Paul said this, most gladly, therefore. What's that therefore? Therefore, because of his grace... Because it's His will, because He has shown me things in the past, because He has told me His grace will be enough, I am therefore going to glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul said this, <clears throat> I want God more than I want what God can do for me. You know what he said? Way more than I want God to remove this thorn. I want His power to rest on me. I want His presence in my life. I want to walk with God. I want to be close with God. And if that means just dealing with this infirmity, then that's what I'll do. That is not easily done. But it's what Paul did. Show you the reception of the thorns and we'll close. Paul says we should glory in our infirmities. 
But he actually goes a little bit further than that. We see, let's look at how he deals with it here. We see his early aversion in verse number 8. Paul did not wake up in the morning and go, you know what, I got this problem, but ah, it's fine. I got God and I don't need anything else. That's not what happened. Paul got up and said, God, will you please take this away from me? God didn't answer. He went on. He went on. And then it built up in him. Maybe he had somebody say something to him, or maybe he was just hurting, or whatever his infirmity was, he went to God again. God, please, will you please take this away from me? No answer from God. Some time goes on, and again and again, he's struggling, he's struggling. Finally, God, please, it said thrice, three times, please, God, please take this away from me. And when he did, he received an answer. No. Paul didn't want the thorn. He wasn't happy to have this thorn, and it was no problem, didn't bother him. Whatever it was, it bothered him. And he was averse to it. He wanted it gone and out of his life. But then we see that he had a later appreciation where he became to understand why God was giving him this thorn in his flesh. Or, or, or not giving it to him, but rather making him keep it. Verse 6, he said, Though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, for now, but now I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations... There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. You know what Paul said? I've come to understand, I believe the reason that God made me keep this thorn is so I would never get too big for my britches. Well, that's a pill. Really. Paul said, if I had never been given this thorn, I'm afraid people would have liked me too much. They would have said too many good things about me. I would have been exalted in my heart and in my mind. And so God gave me this thorn for what purpose? Lest I should be exalted above measure. To keep me humble. To keep me in my place. Now, he calls it the uh, messenger of Satan. That's hard. He is not describing it well. He said it buffets me, which means it is an attack against me. And the devil is responsible. When I read it, I think of, I think of Job. How that God allowed Job, or I'm sorry, God allowed Satan to attack Job. Amen. All the things Job endured, they were the attacks of Satan against him. And God said, well, I'm not going to stop him. And then it was the same here for Paul. And Paul said, this semester of Satan buffeting me and attacking me, And I went to God and I asked Him to take it from me and now I'm beginning to realize God wants me to have this and keep it so that I will never become exalted above what I should. How many times Paul wrote things like, you ought to be careful for yourself. Any man thinks he stands. He said, be careful, look at yourself, realize who you are. Why? Lest you fall. Don't ever think more highly of yourself than you ought. Paul said that. Isn't that what he said? In Galatians, when he told them that are spiritual to go to such a one that's overtaken in a fault, he said, lest ye also be tempted. In what? In pride. Lift it up and exalt in yourself. Look how spiritual we are and look how sinful you are. Paul said, I need to always remember I am weak, one step away from bailing on God because of one weakness in my life. It was a temptation, he called it. A temptation, an infirmity a thorn in his flesh. That was his later appreciation. But we see his 
final acceptance in verses 9 and 10. Verse 9, we read it. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Look at verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. I take pleasure. I don't know what pleasure is. Pleasure pleases me. Right? Last night, yesterday afternoon, we were over at mom and dad's. I was doing something in the morning, and Brooke had gone out, and she took the kids to mom and dad's, and I went over there after lunchtime, and mom said, y'all going to stick around for supper? I'm going to make an Amish meatloaf. I would kill a man. I'm just kidding. I would seriously hurt a man for a big old plate of Amish. I mean, it is one of my all-time favorite meals. And I, it's not like meatloaf. I'd have to describe it to you. It's the weirdest thing. It's incredible. I love it. And she said, I was like, you better believe I'm going to be here for supper. I just cleared my whole schedule. Right? Because it pleases me. And I was very pleased. And I went and maybe had a little too much pleasing. Amen. And then Hannah made cookies with peanut butter and chocolate chips. And I was extra pleased until after I ate the cookies. And then my, my body wasn't so pleased. But I was pleased in the moment. Amen. Pleasure. Something you enjoy. Not everything you enjoy is good for you, right? Like them cookies. They were good, but they were not good for me. Paul said this, I will pleasure in what? Infirmities. How many of y'all been sick in the last year or so? My son had a stomach bug and barfed over 20 times in a six-hour period. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I did not take pleasure in his infirmities. And, and, and here's the truth. I said, God, if I could have it and him not, I'd take it. But you know what? I don't want it. I do not want to be sick, especially stomach sick. Amen? It's terrible. Who likes being sick? It is the opposite of pleasurable. But you know what Paul said? I'll take pleasure in infirmities, sicknesses, in reproaches. You know what that is? People not liking you and often lying on you. How do you like it when people go around spreading bad things about you? True or false. That's what a reproach is. A reproach is a public uh, expression of something bad about you. How many of y'all enjoy that? How many of y'all hear a reproach and think, oh, yes, I love it. I love it when they say I'm a liar. I love it when they say I'm dumb. I love it when they say this about me and say that about me. It brings me so much pleasure. Thank you. You don't do that. That's crazy. You know, Paul said, I, I will take pleasures in reproaches. In necessities. You know what that is? Needing something. Not having the money. Not having the food. Or the gas. Not having the clothes. Not having what you need. Now, the truth is, God has blessed many of us so much that we're, we're abundantly blessed. Let's be honest. Amen. I mean, we are, we are in the wealthy. That's who we are. Even our lower class in this country, for the most part. But, man, there, I do not get pleasure from looking at my bills and going, God, what am I going to do? Does that bring you pleasure? Paul said, I, I, will, I will pleasure in necessities. I'll pleasure and persecutions. That's attacks. We think of persecution like reproaches. People getting on social media and saying mean things about you. But that's not persecution. Persecution is like some of the missionaries we support where if we say the country that they're in, they'll go find them and their families. Cut their heads off. Throw them in prison. 
That's the sort of stuff Paul was dealing with. In distresses, the other night I had stress dreams. You ever have stress dreams? And it's going to be the dumbest thing. I'll tell you what mine was. I was in church. We had a bunch of visitors, and I didn't have a dress shirt and a tie. Isn't that stupid? I went to them, shook their hand. They were like, Brother Paul, nice to meet you, whatever. And it was time for church, and, and I was like, I'm wearing a polo. Isn't that silly? And for a few minutes, I was in the office trying to find a shirt, and my brother appears. He's got a shirt. He takes off his dress shirt and gives it to me. I give him my polo. I'm getting it dressed, and they're singing, and I'm trying to get out there. And it was just this silly feeling of stress. And I woke up at 4 a.m. and couldn't go back to sleep for two hours. I kept thinking I was hearing somebody in the house. My brain was going crazy. I was distressed. It was an attack of the devil, okay? Stress, distress. You ever felt distressed and just worried and... Uh, how do you, you enjoy that? You enjoy that stressful feeling where you can't relax, you can't sit still, you can't sleep, you can't calm down. You know what Paul said? I'll pleasure in that. Why? That's silly. Why would you do that? For Christ's sake. I will gladly keep this thorn for my Savior. That's what he said. I will gladly suffer. I will gladly do without. I will gladly be ill and injured and sick and hurt and alone for Him. For when I am weak, then am I strong. That don't even make sense. Here's what he said. When I am weak in my flesh, then I am strong in my spirit. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, I'm strong. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul came to a later and final acceptance of this. God has left me with a thorn. And I don't like it. It bothers me. I wish it would go away from me. But if my thorn will bring Him glory, then I will glory in my infirmity. The question this morning is simple. Paul was able to accept his unmovable thorn for Christ's sake. Are you? That's hard, isn't it? Sometimes we go to God and we ask Him, God, you said to ask. You said we have not because we ask not. God, I'm asking you. I I've told this church and I know that you know it and I'll remind you now, we ask, we ask, we ask, but the Bible teaches and Christ teaches when we ask, when you pray, you pray, Thy will be done. Yes, God, will you do this? Will you do this? Will you do this, God? It's the desire of my heart. I'm asking you, Lord, will you please do it? I'm, I'm knocking, I'm asking. Will you please give me? And the Lord says, that's not my will. What are you going to do? You know what Paul said to do? Glory in your infirmities. Don't go on Facebook and say, hey, I love being sick, or I love this, or whatever. Oh, things are so bad, and things are... Not that. But in your infirmities, give God glory. I will gladly endure my infirmity 
that he will receive glory. I will gladly endure what God has given me if through my life and through my... Infirm- you know how many people's hard situations have brought others to Christ? Do you? That song I'll sing sometime, Brother Jesse, my brother-in-law sang it at our revival. God, he's always been faithful to me. A line that verse said, I can't remember a trial or a pain he did not recycle to bring me gain. That God in our lives will allow us to go through things sometime and to suffer things and endure things. And then on the other side of it, when we're coming to terms with what we've had to deal with and what we're suffering through, sometimes God will allow us to look at our suffering and see a way to help somebody else. God will allow us to look at our suffering and learn that His grace is sufficient. Are you willing to do that for Christ's sake this morning? Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.